Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 143 of At Odds with Wrestling Early Edition. Joe and Adam here. Adam, we're early. Yeah, I, I wonder who is the cause of us going off schedule once again. Well, I'm I'm torn here. I don't know if I should just like release it when I'm done editing it, just on Wednesday night, or like schedule it to like come out tomorrow and pretend like it wasn't. But the problem is we do like this day in wrestling history, so. My OCD says we have to do like the day we're recording, not the day that it's going to get released. Yeah, I think uh, I think you release it tonight, like as in like a day early. Yeah, but this is all your fault. Once again, yes, yes, I have to travel tomorrow uh, on the first leg of my journey to Ohio. I don't know why, but I have to go. <laughs> That's well, you don't know why. It's only a nice <laughs> six-hour drive, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I have to, on Thursday night, I go to Bloomsburg to pick up my buddy, and then it's really only five hours from there, so it's, like, it's practically, like, in the neighborhood. Now, did you guys get, like, a hotel? Did you guys get, like, a bed and breakfast? Did you get a, <laughs> uh, what the hell's the thing, not the... Airbnb? Airbnb, there you go. Nah, you know what? Uh, so, funny story, when we were at the LeVac... I uh, I went over to the fish tank repair central center uh, of the parking lot, yeah. and uh, I asked a few of the the Pod Van Dam boys, uh, you know, where should I go? Like when I go to the, like the Odeon, because obviously, uh, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Like AIW show is on Friday, and uh, then Toy Hio is on Saturday, so I need a place to stay Friday night. So I was like, oh, what is around the Odeon? And uh, Ed Cody was like, oh, ask Jess, ask Jess, and. Uh, which is his girl. So I go and I ask her and she then proceeds to be like asking, well, well, what would you prefer? Would you prefer Airbnb? Are you looking for something inexpensive? I'm just like, I, this is too much information for like at the end of a wrestling show. So uh, she was very nice. Ed was uh, attempting to be helpful, but I decided that, you know what, I'm just going to go down and whatever's close to the Odeon will get, you know, uh, uh, Robbie's a little bit of a fancy gentleman as well, so I'm sure money's not an object when it comes to that. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and, you know, obviously you're living on a different life, and you got another man who's living on a different life than you. Um, I know a lot of times when I would travel, especially out to Ohio, um, where their venue was, a buddy of mine lives out there, and I would just, if I was going by myself, um, or even if I was going to crew people, like, the crew would go and they would do their party thing. Mm-hmm. And they would like, okay, we'll meet up at the venue tomorrow or whatever it is. If it, if it was like a two-day thing like this. And I would go crash at my buddy's house. And then there was even a couple times where I I was um, – I didn't request this. But I was given a hotel that wasn't the party hotel. Okay. Because <laughs> when AIW would do like their two-night events, like the uh, J-Lit weekends or, you know, whatever it is like that, there would be the party hotel – and then there'd be the normie hotel, the un the unfun person hotel. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where I would get booked. Well, I mean, I definitely want like I I've kind of timed it out enough. Like if we leave at a certain time, you know, you can make the trip. You can account for traffic. You can account for you know, hey, there's there's a Walmart. Let's stop and look for toys oh, on our way boy. to toy aisle. But uh, I'd like to get there before the show where I have enough time to find a hotel because then I want to seek out the after party, you know, and then maybe take like a, like an Uber or Lyft from, you know, the wrestling to the party back to the hotel. So that's the plan for Friday night. Right. So even though the wrestling is first, 
yeah. Friday night. The toy show is Saturday. Yeah, and Toy Hio obviously is was the initial reason for making this trip out there, you know? Right. And uh I believe that starts at ten AM and it is an hour away from Cleveland. Uh um I forget the name of the town. You said it on your podcast, so you would know. Gerard. Because I yes. thought of Vin Gerard. <laughs> right. And again, Gerard with a G uh, for the city, not Gerard Jerry with a J of Jerry's yes. Internet Wrestling Emporium. But I'll say this, you know, a lot of the vendors that are going to be at Toy Hio, I guess, uh, there's one in particular, Time Capsule Toys, I guess, that's in the area. Yeah, I follow them on, like, Instagram, I think. Yeah, so, like, you know, you get into town, whether it be, like, before the AIW show, in between the AIW show and Toy Hio, or whatever it is, you know, go check them out, as it were. Yeah. And uh, you've sent me uh, my target for the week, or for the for the day, to, to something that you'd like me to find. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of like one of those things where I slept on it for a long time, and Super 7 did a redo of it, and I didn't love it. And then Super 7 did another redo of it where it glows in the dark. And I really didn't love the glow in the dark one. And it's the uh, Toxie from the Toxic Crusaders cartoon from the early 90s. Um, and I'm looking for it in mint in box only because I want to make sure that I have all the accessories for it. Like, mm. I don't care if the, the box is burned as long as the bubble's <laughs> not ripped, you know? Yeah. I feel like when I look at that figure, that's something that five years ago would have been like a $5 figure. But now that like the figure, the nostalgia boom has happened, you know, with like us people our age collecting figures again, I feel like that's had to be what made that explode. Uh, I recall. See, like, so I think about, two, let's say three years ago is when super seven announced that they were doing the redo of it. Right. Okay. And I think at that time, that figure was going for maybe like at the most a hundred. Okay. But it was like in the 50 to a hundred mint in box, depending on the condition of a box about three years ago. Cause I'll never forget. We were, we were on, um, 81 and I was tweeting with, uh, Ethan page and, uh, captain Yuma of NWA wrestling currently. Cause they're, <laughs> They were their toy boys before, like being a toy boy was a toy boy thing. Like uh-huh. the major wrestling figure podcast had just started, maybe. So that was starting to like energize some people, not everyone, you know? Yeah. And there was a bunch of announcements that were coming out at some convention, and we were all tweeting at each other about them. It's like, oh my God, look at this Venom figure. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. So then when Super 7 announces the Toxie figure, I go, Ooh, they don't have the pre-order up yet, but let me go look to see how much the old school one was. And like I said, it was three years ago. It was like 50 to 100, and now it's like 150 and up. Yeah. Well, I like I said before we recorded, I will use my shrewd negotiating ability. I'll get you one. If it's there, it'll be in your possession when I get back. I promise. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I, on the other hand, I don't really have anything that I'm seeking out, like, toy-wise. I'm sure... Like, when I get there, I will see something that I absolutely have to have, whether it's something that I've wanted in the past and never pulled the trigger on or just something I didn't know existed. But I'm not really going down with anything in mind. Uh, Odds are I'll just end up coming back with, like, Funkos or something stupid like that. Now, I I posed the question, obviously, 
Uh, you know, Toy Hio, of course, is not just going to be toys. There's major celebrities going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you bringing anything or hoping to buy something to get signed? No, you know what? I have the four, uh, the, the figure four. I have their autographs on the micro brawler box already. Okay. And I also have like another Brian Myers on his, uh, uh, whatever those ugly toys that don't look like them, that look like dolls. We talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, the ringside collectible exclusive <laughs> ones, the ones that look like the He-Man figures? No, no, no. The ones that they always joke on the Toy Boy podcast that they sign a talent and then five years later come out with a figure. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I can't think of the name yeah, of the company I, right now. Yeah. So anyways, I have a Brian Myers signature on one of those too. So I, I don't need anything else signed. I don't need like a print or anything like that. Ideally, what my goal would have been with seeing those guys, like, I just want Mark photos. And I saw that Toy Hio tweeted out something today saying that the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Super Combo was $100. Right. For an exclusive 8x10 print, one auto on personal items from each member, and a group photo. But in parentheses, it says selfie with all four. Mm. I Now, my concern is... Number one, does the group photo and then parentheses selfie mean that the photo has to be a selfie? Because here's the thing. I will pay, you know, whatever the going rate of a Mark photo is. But number one, I want somebody to like I want my buddy to hold the camera and take the picture. And like rather than pay one hundred dollars to have a picture with all four of them, I'd rather pay thirty, forty dollars and have a picture with Brian or thirty, forty dollars, have a picture with Mark, thirty, forty, have a picture with Matt, you know, like. I'd rather have the individual ones or at least the option to do so. So that's the only thing I hope that what they, you know, tweeted out with this package isn't your only option. Right. So here's what I'll say uh, from listening to major wrestling figure pod this week, you know, Patreon people get it early. I'm special. <laughs> um, and Brian mentioned this and I'm looking at the Facebook announcement of this and it doesn't say selfie. It just says in a photo with all four of them. Right. Mm hmm. I think what they're assuming when they say selfie in the Twitter announcement is you're responsible for taking the picture yourself. Okay. Like they're not going to have someone there who does the picture for you. Like I know when they do the meet and greet things at AIW shows, they usually will have one student who collects the money. And then there's one student when you go over to meet like Terry Funk, Penta L0M, whoever it was you give like you pay one student and you walk your like two feet over to the table, get your autograph, buy your item. And if you're getting a picture with the person, there's another student who you give your camera to your phone to, and they take the picture for you. Or if you okay. have a friend, they do it like that. Now, am I saying that's how toy Hio is going to do it? I'm going to say, I'm not hundred percent sure, but the fact that it says, it says selfie in one spot and not in the others. I think they're just saying, we're not going to have a person there to take the picture for you. Fair enough. Yeah, because, I mean, that's really – if I come home from this with, like, a Mark photo with everybody, yeah, you know, then I'll be happy. I, I would have gotten what I need. I went there to get, and uh, anything else that I, I I buy or don't buy is just gravy on top of that, you know? It's now, more like a road trip. I'll also say this. That's, like, the major bundle, quote-unquote. hundred bucks. You get the picture with all four of them. You get a signed – a personalized item signed by everyone and the print, okay? Yeah. At a hundred bucks, that's going to lead me to believe if you're looking to get one-on-ones with everyone, 
your one-on-ones are going to be like 20 bucks at the most a clip. Yeah. It's like we're saying 100 bucks because that's everyone's autograph plus the picture plus the exclusive print. So yeah. that's how we could bump it up there. Now, again, I don't know everyone's prices. And I'll say this. You can maybe get a better feel for it at the AIW show if they're doing a thing there to get an idea of what their price structure is at the AIW show, whether it be before the show or at intermission to get the idea for the next day at Toy Hio. And I'll also say, if you're going to go to the after party, <laughs> maybe don't get the Mark photo with Swoggle. <laughs> For money, because you could probably get one for free at the after party. <laughs> or at least for the cost of a drink or two. At least for the cost of a drink. Right, right. Yeah. But I, I but that yeah. being said, Swoggle might be on his best behavior this weekend because he's bringing his son with him. Oh, okay. So he may be on his best behavior. Mm. All right. Well, I'll cover all my bases. Like you said, I'll scope it out at AIW. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But, so that's uh, this week. What else? So you have nothing particular. You're just going to scout things out at Toy Hio. You have nothing in particular that you're looking for specifically. Nah, I'm the type of guy that if I really need something, I've bought it already. You know? Yeah. Well, that's what's going on with you this weekend. Let's look at... And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. This Day in Wrestling History. Now, doing the show a day early ends up helping us out a little bit because we're currently in a time schedule for 1996 WCW where we're hitting the Nitros on our normal recording schedule. Today, 25 years ago, was Great American Bash. Now, one of the things that everyone remembers from this, this is where Hall and Nash come out. They're still not named. They're interviewed by Bischoff where they have to specifically state into a microphone that they are not working for the WWF. Mm -hmm. And they powerbomb Bischoff through the stage. Yeah, I remember like this just seeming so odd as a wrestling fan. Like I 100% get it. We talked about it a week or two ago about why it was necessary, but as a wrestling fan, you know, just a mark at the time, a 16-year-old mark being like this is so odd that they have to acknowledge and like and state this, you know? Right. Well, and this was the beginning, you know, I had just gotten introduced to like the internet and dirt sheets maybe like l- literally a year before this. Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously, this is a huge topic online at the time that there was lawsuits getting ready to be filed because of possible misleading uh, information on TV to try to trick the fans that these guys were still working for the WWF. Yeah, I don't think the news hit the AOL chat rooms I was in at the time. <laughs> no. Now, this is a pretty standard WCW pay-per-view for the time. They're in a bit of a transition period. Um, Hogan is and has been off TV for the better part of a few months. Um, You know, you have matches on the show like the Steiner Brothers versus Fire and Ice, DDP versus Marcus Alexander Bagwell, which would be a feud that would continue until, like, the dying days of WCW. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, John Tenta versus Big Bubber were after uh, the match. Big Bubber shaved off half of John Tenta's beard. 
Benoit versus Sullivan in a Falls Count Anywhere match, which is pretty memorable. Uh, Sting versus Lord Steven Regal, which has a very weird, like, homophobic promo by Sting beforehand. Um, The main event is WCW champion The Giant taking on Lex Luger. But another thing that gets lost in the shuffle in this event, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, managed by Bobby Heenan, take on Kevin Green and babyface Mongo McMichaels. This is where Mongo turns and joins the Horsemen. Oh, look at that. Right. That, like, that, that should have led the show. The shuffle. Like, this is a huge moment, you know? <laughs> One of the greatest, if not the greatest, Four Horsemen, if I have to say so. <laughs> You know, uh, the world is coming around on uh, a Mongo as a horseman. I'll say better than Paul Roma. Uh huh. And just based on his non horseman actions, I'll say better than Chris Benoit as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, and uh, yeah. No, I was going to say better than perfect, but was perfect ever really in it? Not officially. Yeah. All right. He did get Arn's spot, but then I think he turned, like, the following Sunday. So I don't even count that. Yeah. And I don't think Double J ended up in there either, because Double J, just because he's Double J, would be high up. Not a great horseman, but Double J is usually in the top five of any list I put together, because I love Double J. Of course. Now, in an also on this day, uh, eight years ago... World Wrestling Entertainment held the event Payback from Chicago, Illinois. Adam, I defy you to give me any memory of these matches. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to skip the opener for a reason, because it's literally the only thing that I remember. Uh, AJ Lee wins the uh, Divas Championship from Caitlin. Well, of course I remember that one. Right. Dean Ambrose defends the U.S. title against Kane. And I think this was, like, maybe corporate Kane at the time. (laughs) Okay. No. Uh, Del Rio wins the world title back from Ziggler after Ziggler did the cash-in on uh, the post-Mania Raw. Yeah, don't remember that. Paul Heyman's, uh, Paul Heyman with, or I'm sorry, CM Punk, managed by Paul Heyman, uh, takes on Chris Jericho. Uh, was that when, uh, oh man, I'm trying to remember. Was that like, a, like, it wasn't a straight edge gimmick, right? No, that was long after that. No, I have no recollection of that either. So, okay. So we'll come back to the, the punk thing with Heyman. Uh, Roman and Seth as the tag team champions defend the titles against Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton. Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton were a team? Apparently so. <laughs> nope. And. Don't. Again, this was, like, pre-Team Hell No stuff. Like, we're still about two months away from Team Hell No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the main event, uh, John Cena defends the title against Ryback, managed by Paul Heyman, in a three stages of hell match. I vaguely remember that just because of his terribleness. You okay. Know? Uh, so the opener I kind of want to leave off was a triple threat for the Intercontinental title as the champion Wade Barrett defended the title against The Miz and managed by Paul Heyman, Curtis Axel. Okay. So at the time, this event took place on Father's Day and Curtis Axel won the Intercontinental title. And I remember them making a big deal about this 
because they were saying, like, oh, he's honoring his father. He's winning the title on Father's Day. How much of Curtis Axel's Intercontinental title run do you recall? I just remember the cool remix of his dad's music and, yeah. like, very briefly being a Paul Heyman guy, but I, I nothing else from that. So this was also around the time where they decided we're going to give Curtis Axel, like, this big, crazy push. And he beat Triple H clean in a way too long, boring match on an episode of Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. That ultimately led nothing. Because right now, Paul Heyman is managing Curtis Axel, Ryback, and CM Punk. And then for some reason, Punk turns babyface in all this, right? Yeah, to feud with Ryback, right? To feud with Ryback and Curtis Axel, where they're doing, like, handicap matches, where it's Punk against the two of them in, like, cage matches so he can get time against Paul E. And, like, it's a complete... And coming from me, this is a complete waste of what they could be doing with CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, no, I th- it was... Uh, after he ended his, like, record-breaking reign, it seemed like all the stuff he did before he left was kind of nonsense. Right, because this is post the match. At, like, he had lost the title to, to Rock at Royal Rumble. Um, he lost the rematch with Rock. He loses the match at um, WrestleMania against The Undertaker. And then this is the beginning of his face turn. And then Punk would be gone from the company, like, January of 2014. Yeah. But this is kind of like the beginning of like that. What the hell are they doing with Punk at this point? You know? Yeah. And and like, if I remember, he from what I heard, like he was not happy, obviously, with any of this. I don't think CM Punk's been happy his entire (laughs) life. Ah, He he was probably happy when he was had that like 464 day reign. Nah, he was probably miserable because it should have been longer. (laughs) Uh, He should have had, you know, whatever. He shouldn't have feuded with Kevin Nash. All these other little bits and things that he would have bitched and complained about because that's his way. Uh, who complains about feuding with Kevin Nash? Well, there are people. Those are those are called bad people. <laughs> Fair enough. So that's it on this day in wrestling history. Let's get into what we liked and didn't like from the last six days in the world of professional wrestling. <laughs> Ooh, six whole days. Oh, huh, what am I going to do? All right, Joe, I'll start things off. And I'm only going to put this in mind because I don't want you to steal it from me. But in my dislikes, I'm going to talk about how, speaking of the Toy Boys, at Live 8, the uh, you know Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, Smart Mark, just trying to have fun with their fans, you know, talk about figures, have some surprise guests. When that, that dastardly uh, backyard fighter, Nick Gage, tried to attack them, Tried to specifically attack Matt Cardona, which, if you ask me, a little bit of a bitch move. But if it wasn't for Smart Mark holding back Broski, uh, and if you watch the footage, I watch this stuff like the Zapura film, like the just like back and to the left over and over again just to analyze it. But uh, Nick Gage is very lucky that Broski was held back by Matt, uh, Mark Sterling. Otherwise, it would have been a bloodbath. But uh, the reason it's in my dislikes, again, Nick Gage going where he's not welcome. Uh, I don't think anybody should ever just attack somebody unprovoked like that. Uh, I I was so up in arms about this that I accepted Brett and DJ's challenge and I bought tickets for GCW Homecoming so I can go and watch Matt Cardona become the GCW uh, champion. I don't want to blow up your spot and say this is the entertainment portion of the show. (laughs) Um, But I'll just say 
they're very lucky that uh, CPA was there. Definitely not security. Definitely not a fan that got thrown across a table. And also, Brian was very brave in be- getting between Broski and uh, Nick Gage. <laughs> I feel like Nick Gage just saw the three of them, and he, he ran, you know, with his tail between his legs. Like, all that, mm. uh, it was that hold me back, hold me back, but he really didn't want any part of the, the figure three, I guess, because Swaggle wasn't there. <laughs> right, they didn't bring out the cardboard cutout of him drunk on the uh, luggage carrier. Yeah. Uh, but, not my Not my likes or dislikes, but I don't know. Might come up again a little bit later on. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But as I said, uh, the challenge was thrown down on We Need Wrestling this week that if the match was announced, and DJ even said if it was within five hours, he was willing to go so far as Boston. Uh, But this is just Atlantic City. Uh, But we're doing this. So you you bought tickets for you and for DJ and for Brett? I bought general admission tickets. I was talking to uh, Brett, and I said, hey, like, Let's, you know, all make sure that we go down together. You know, we'll make a trip of it. But uh, myself and Dave Holden, you know, friend of the show that went to the LVAC and stuff like that, we got general admission just because we do not want to be within light tube inhalation range. <laughs> you know, so uh, we'll hang to the back and then, you know, whatever Brett and DJ want to do. But I'd love to, you know, go down as a road trip, you know, all together. So, you know what? Let me get into one of my dislikes. Uh Oh, Okay. So it's inspired by this. And listen, I get it. Broski and Nick Gage are having a good time. It's the summer of Broski, maybe, or at least <laughs> the one show of Broski. Um, but it's being very well done, okay? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to look at this with a fine-tooth comb to pick out all the nits in this angle, because there's a few. <laughs> but the worst thing that this angle is doing by being so successful it's empowering other people to attempt their own such things. And this is actually going to be one thing, but then between me putting the list out to you this morning and us recording, um, whether it be uh, Sammy Callahan for real being fired from Impact and being unfollowed by Impact's Twitter and then getting into a DM's... uh, battle with Scott Demore and then posting the DMs and then calling Don Callis Cal Ass C A L L A S S in capital letters. Ooh, edgy. Um so that's bad. Uh <laughs> very clearly fake and poorly done. And then this afternoon, uh MJF and Sammy Guevara decided to take I don't know if you saw Sammy Guevara post up a picture of what had to be like a 10-year-old MJF getting a mark photo with CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So uh, MJF reported the tweet uh, to Twitter to get the picture taken down and then says, better be careful, Sammy, before you get canceled again. Uh, And then Sammy's like, hey, man, way to bring up one of the most uh, difficult times of my life. You know, some people say... Uh, that it's all an act, but you really are a bad person, using a lot of swear words. And Mm. that's all bullshit as well. Um, Stop trying to work Twitter angles, please. Um, Yeah. So that's the worst thing that's coming out of the Broski and Nick Gage thing. Coming off so well, it's empowering other people to do their own bad versions of this. Please stop. Yeah. The MJF... uh 
Sammy Guevara thing, like, I get that that's not good, but that doesn't even register to me because I feel like I've seen that type of attempts at a feud, you know, pushing a feud on Twitter, like, over and over over the last couple of years. But the Sammy Callahan thing is just such a blatant, watered-down, terrible version of the Brian Pillman WCW yeah. that, like, it's cringy. You know, like, nobody on the planet believes that this is real. You know, so it's just, it's so, like, I, I said cringy, it's so, like, uncomfortably bad that you're like, oh, come on. Like, I, again, I can accept the MJF and Guevara thing. Be, I don't have to like it, but I'm like, okay, I have seen this a million times. But, you know, Callahan ain't no Brian Pillman. Not even close. He's, he's not even Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, <laughs> you beat me to it, yeah. Oh. And then I and then like as I just look at his and then like him and uh, Don Callis are going back and forth and Sammy's and so here's the thing about it is like so Sammy will tweet his thing out and then a few hours later he'll retweet his own tweets. Oh yeah, I gotta make sure people see it. You know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so it's it's all bad, but the thing that I I find most offensive and DJ had pointed this one out to me was while this was all going on, Sammy Callahan posts a selfie of himself. Huge thanks to 20 by 20 Apparel for this epic Terry Funk shirt. A lot of my career can be contributed to the phrase, what would Funk do? Ugh. And what did he do, the opposite? (laughs) And that's what DJ said. It's like, are you doing the opposite? Because everything you do is horrible, and everything Terry Funk has done is awesome. (laughs) Ugh. Yeah. So there you go. There's a dislike. Fair enough. All right, I'll, I'll go over to a, a like. And uh, this could have very easily started off as a dislike, depending on how you want to interpret it. But I'm going to put in my likes the fact that uh, WWE rehired Samoa Joe. And, or, you know, didn't let him his contract end, or whatever it was behind the scenes. But Samoa Joe's back. And I can say, oh, I would have rather to see Samoa Joe wrestle. But maybe that's just not in the cards. You know, maybe... Never, maybe not for a while. I don't know. Uh, and Samojo, very good on commentary, but I think his role, as it was revealed on NXT as William Regal's enforcer, uh, is just a really cool way to just keep him looking like a badass. You know, he took out Adam Cole when Adam Cole wouldn't listen. Uh, Samojo giving fiery promos, you know, that he couldn't deliver really on commentary because it's not what Vince wanted. Uh, I think this is a great use for Samoa Joe on a show that I'm already watching, so I'm happy to see him employed, and uh, you know, it's better than him, A, not being on TV, or B, just being used on commentary. I think it's just a a good use for him if we can't see him wrestle. This is also in my likes as well. Uh, So, yeah, uh, the rumor is that almost immediately after Joe was let go, Triple H reached out to him to try to get him to be NXT exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, what the hell does that even mean? Uh, obviously, this is the role for Joe. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of speculati- speculative reasons like why Joe was taken off commentary, uh, why Joe was released in the first place, why Joe wasn't wrestling. Uh, what's his physical status? You know, everyone was like, oh, Joe's released. He's going to go to AEW and have these bangers. He's going to go to New Japan and have these bangers. Blah, 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 all this other stuff. I love Samoan Joe from the very first time that I saw him in October of 2001. And he's been perennially, like, in that top ten of dudes who can just deliver 
all the time, makes what he does feel real, and does not, and can get away with, like, doing goofy shit, get away with doing serious shit. Even his run in TNA, man, where they, like, he was top of the world, had that huge buy rate with the first time ever match with Kurt Angle, and they just bungled him and bungled him. And somehow, because Joe was so good, it did not ruin his aura. It did not ruin his mystique. Mm. But there's a lot of talk out there that Joe, you know, physically just can't do it anymore. And if this is a way to keep him employed, keep him as a badass to keep that mystique and keep that aura alive, I'm all for it. And I thought the running thread through this past week's episode of NXT with Joe was really awesome. Yeah. And I like the fact that like they're keeping him as an enforcer with Regal because if he was just the general manager, I feel like that would have just been him doing commentary. You know, it would have been a little bit cooler, but there's just something to be said about him just being there to to enforce, you know, the the direction of Regal, you know? Right. Just an extra wrinkle that I don't think we've seen with, you know, WWE leadership or WWE uh, power figures, you know? I'm looking forward to it after, like you said, after one week's episode, it was already pretty solid. So, right. uh, since we doubled up here, let me get a dislike out of the way because I got to save my last like for last. Okay. So, this is a tentative dislike. Okay. All right. And so, I, I talked you out of it? No, 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 no. Um, I'm starting as a dislike. I'm hoping that it ends up working out. But just, like, my initial gut reaction to it is bad. Okay. And that was the in-ring return of Eva Marie this past week on Monday Night Raw. Oh, this is in my dislikes, too. Okay. Where she brought out uh, an unnamed person that no one has ever seen before. Um, even though she has been a permanent fixture for the last two years in NXT UK, which further proves NXT UK is not real. I thought it was Amy Schumer, but go ahead. Now, see, knock that shit off. Because I think Viper is awesome. Piper Niven, whatever her name is going to be. And they haven't even figured out what her name is going to be. I just get on Monday Night Raw with the Eva Marie character and the physical appearance of Viper in the world wrestling entertainment that this is going to end up being handled very poorly. Mm-hmm. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not going to go down the same tropes that they have gone down time and time and time and time again with women like this. But my initial gut reaction is this is going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. It started off great. She came in. She looked like a world beater. She squashed Naomi. She's in a prime spot with one of the 19 angles that are going on on Raw with the women. But WWE's track record when it comes to women who look like Viper, Piper Niven, whatever name they're going to call her, is very, very bad. And it just brings up a lot of bad memories of them doing much worse to women who do not look like this. Molly Holly, Mickey James... Vicky Guerrero, etc. Yeah. I, oh, God. No, I was going to say, it just conjures up a lot of bad memories. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have no problem with having somebody out of the blue come out 
and squash Naomi. Like I I saw a lot of people be like, how can you do dirty Naomi like this? And, you know, squashes happen all the time, especially with debuting talent, you know, and uh, again, I, I forget Viper. You said her name was, uh, I, I didn't know her before this, but I was like, okay, here's somebody coming out and, and just debuting and just, you know, destroying her opponent. I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, like, again, I agree with you that like the Naomi or I'm sorry, the Eve Marie stuff, is just actively bad. I I kind of wish that when they debuted her, she still had her voiceover introduction. If you remember that before she got canned, I do. They, oh, that was some of the best stuff because she was never there, and they just introduced her all the time. So I kind of wish that was there. But uh, and obviously after her charge wins the match, they announce it as Eve Marie has won. Um, I just see it as a way to have. And I think this is obviously the angle to have other people do the wrestling, but like let Eve Marie be in continue to be employed and be on the screen uh, while people like Ruby Riot and the Iconics were are unemployed. So I think anytime Eve Marie is on the screen, she's going to have to work double hard to justify her employment in my eyes. And this angle didn't do that, you know, but again, I didn't uh, have any problem with her having a heavy coming out uh, for her, but like, I would have rathered it be like, okay, that person you know, roughed up Naomi and then Eve Marie gets in and takes the pen or gives the pen, you know, something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too narrowly, but I just didn't like the angle either. Yeah. It just, let's hope world wrestling entertainment has learned from their, uh, past mistakes, but I'm not filled with hope that they have. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we doubled up again, Joe. I have a like left. Uh, you gotta, you gotta go with your like, cause I gotta do mine last. All right. Uh, this one's pretty easy. I'm just going to take just it wasn't a, a great match, but I really enjoyed watching it just for various reasons. And that's from AEW this week. I enjoyed watching Miro defend his TNT title versus Evil Uno. Uh, again, good match. At no point did I think Miro was going to lose the match, but they did a good enough job between the commentary and the crowd reaction and having the Dark Order coming out to support uh, support Uno, including uh, Liv Morgan's BFF, negative one. Uh, you know, just the fact that like they're all there cheering on Uno gave it the feeling that like it could happen. Uh, and I like the fact that Uno went for the Brody Tribute Discus Clothesline and it just like bounced off of Miro because he's a monster. Uh, and just the sick tap out that Miro did of Uno. Uh, and again, I like that this match was just, you know, a feel good match a little bit and that, you know, Miro's a beast. So, uh, enjoyed that segment. Probably again the only halfway decent thing from AEW in my eyes this week. Yeah, AEW tape show was fine, but it was like nothing that I remembered. Yeah. Um, it just kind of came in one ear and out the other, I guess. Yeah. You are you telling me you didn't like the Michael Nakazawa directed uh video of Kenny Omega being screwed? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh they finally captured Bryce on audio, like trying to screw with somebody, you know? Should let Big Dan know that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so right. good. My last like. Yeah. And this could be the most controversial like that I've ever had on this show. Uh-oh. It started off as one thing, and then I watched NXT this past week. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it's expanded. <laughs> So, the thing that I liked this past week, last six days. No, don't do it. Don't do it. 
and this time I'm not turning the camera on, but you're gonna have to take my word for it that I'm doing the point as I say it. Oh God! Is the new million dollar champion L A Knight? <laughs> so the latter match I thought was great. Okay. Yeah. I saw people were very divisive with it online for a matter of like variety of reasons. Um, I, I think um, who who the hell was it that was complaining? It's like. Oh, they just should have used the gold ladder, not a bunch of ladders. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's a ladder match. They always bring out more than one ladder. It's the way it always works, right? Yeah, I think the viewer's um, choice brought up that point. Yeah, that's what it was. It was Tim and Marcus. I forgot who it was. Um, they really hated the show. But I really liked this match a lot. And I thought it was, like, a great performance for Cameron Grimes. It was the best performance by L.A. Knight since he debuted in the company, which hasn't been very long. Uh, but he had, like, a lot of stumbling coming out of the gate. And then on Tuesday, he comes out for the big acceptance of the belt. And he gets the thing, and he gives the teary-eyed promo. Only nitpick, I wish we'd say, when he would wrestle in his backyard in Hagerstown, Maryland. <laughs> and do, like, the big, fully cheap pop just for me. <laughs> and then he sticks the knife in DiBiase's back, lays out DiBiase. You know, 67-year-old Ted DiBiase's taking bumps and getting, like, the shit stomped out of him on national TV. Um, now, I will say this. A lot of people were surprised that an old man like that took a bump. But when he did, Ted DiBiase did his deal at AIW, like, two years ago, and he gave the Duke the million-dollar dream, he, like, decided to, like, Cobra Clutch slam the Duke out of it as well, which... <laughs> Speaking to the Duke afterwards, he's like, he didn't tell me he was going to do that. He kind of went into business for himself. But what am I going to do? Tell Ted DiBiase no? Sandbag him? He goes, once I felt he was going, I went, you know? Yeah. Um. So DiBiase's got it left in him. And I talked on the show that, like, one of the biggest failings in this was, like, they were setting DiBiase up as a heel. And you can't have the legends be heels. Even if, even if the legends were heels their entire career... Once they're a legend, once they're treated as a Hall of Famer, they're automatically a babyface. So the whole thing felt weird. This was course cor – the match and the angle on Tuesday were course correction. And then LA Knights beat the shit out of DiBiase, and it's going, and it's going. And then all of a sudden Cameron Grimes comes out and, like, gets a huge reaction, shows a ton of fire. And I thought the whole angle was great. And I thought LA Knight was awesome in all of it. <laughs> I, you know what i could have very easily put a lot of my dislikes into nxt takeover i feel like it was probably my least favorite nxt takeover ever you know top to bottom but when it comes to the ladder match i think that i fall in the middle i didn't hate it i didn't love it i'd say i lean a little bit more towards liking it than disliking it maybe 60 40 so i'm on your page with that uh, but as far as the follow-up promo on NXT, I'm in 100% agreement. Initially, I was like, are they turning fucking LA Knight babyface? No, so I, I knew it. I knew they weren't, man. But, like, it still shocked the hell out of me. And, like, I wasn't watching live, and I saw a lot of people like, oh, man, it's going to be cool to have, like, DiBiase with LA Knight. And, like, it's a whole thing. And I'm like, DiBiase, uh, Hall of Famers cannot be heels. It just yeah. does not work. And, like I said, this was all course correction. I loved it. Yeah, no, I, I like the after uh, pay-per-view uh, angle. I agree with you on that. And uh, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to full jump on the LA Knight bandwagon like you are, like super fan number one, Joe Sposto. But uh, uh, let, 
I went from actively hating him to uh, right now I'm indifferent. So we'll see if he can swing the needle in the positive zone. Yeah, and and that's the thing. This, this promo was very different than any of the other promos that he's cut before. Um, the the gear has gotten a little bit better. Still not great. Still kind of looks shitty. Uh, the jacket's a lot better. Still not great, but still his logo on the Tron is horrible. <laughs> F plus for that logo. Um, and if, and as much as I love them saying that he's from Hagerstown, Maryland, once they stop announcing him from Hagerstown, Maryland, that's going to be the thing that's going to help him. Yeah. Do like the now residing in like Beverly Yeah, Hills like do the DiBiase like thing where like now that he's the million dollar champion, he gets all of DiBiase's summer and winter and whatever residences. Yeah. <laughs> or like. You know, like, or just like, say, from the City of Angels, L.A. Night. You know, you're not saying he's from L.A. You're not saying he's from anywhere, but it's something. It's not Hagerstown, Maryland. <laughs> you know, uh, David Kincan and the Jingle Meister, I think the night after the pay-per-view, like, did, like, a Zillow search of, okay. like, the most expensive home for sale in Hagerstown, Maryland. And I think it was, like, $28,000. <laughs> something ridiculous like that. So it's like, here's this guy, he's supposed to come from wealth, and he's got these cars, and the women, and the hot tubs, and he's the million-dollar champion, and Hagerstown, Maryland is just such a bad thing, and I think somebody mentioned to me that they think it's probably a rib on him for some reason. Yeah. Um, but either way, uh, I'm just glad to see that, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm leading the train, but I bought a ticket, and I'm going to go to the train eventually. <laughs> Well, Joe, I have to ask you, so are you going to jump on the first time in the line, uh, you know, L.A. Knight action figure with million-dollar title accessory? When it comes out in 12 to 18 months, hopefully (laughs) L.A. Knight will be much different than uh, on TV than he is now, you know? All right. Well, I I will keep an eye out. We'll we'll see what the, the, the prototypes look like. But anyways, Joe, did you know... That once again, there's a freaking pay-per-view this weekend. Is Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring? Is Kofi Kingston doing his thing? Ruby Ryan be on the show. Well, Daniel Bryan shout no, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? That is right. WWE Heck in a Sec, a.k.a. Hell in a Cell, is this Sunday. And according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling information, there are five matches announced. None of them are on the pre-show. Can you name the card, Joe? Right. So with us recording early, there's still some stuff to be announced for SmackDown, um, which we're not there yet. So let's go with what I know is happening for sure, or at least what I think is happening for sure, right? Okay. Um, uh, Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio? Yep, that is announced. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was, uh, like, SmackDown made it feel official, but I'm not, I wasn't sure if it was official. Wikipedia says so. Now, does it, have they officially said that it's in the Hell in a Cell? Uh, Wikipedia says yes. Okay. Like I said, TV made it feel that way, but I didn't see a match graphic. Yeah. Um, Bobby Lashley versus uh, Drew McIntyre, both Hell in a Cell and uh, Drew uh, Drew McIntyre's Last Chance. 
Yep. Last chance, hell in a cell. Yeah. Um, I know that now we have officially Shayna Baszler versus um, spooky, scary girl uh, Alexa Bliss. Uh, the, like officially in a one-on-one match for the AIW Women's Championship. Yes. Yeah. Now, hey, I'm going to say this: if anyone would know, it's you. Um, do they have Lily replica stuff things yet? Uh, I feel like somebody would have, for a goof, messaged me. Uh, okay. I have not seen them. Like I said, we're we're two months in of Lily being a thing, and the fact that they don't have these things in mass production yet is a huge failing on their part. Well, you have to realize, like, all right, so Lily's a thing, but, like, not nearly as much of a thing as Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse things were, and those took months, and that was a much, much, much more over character, you know, like, in his little world, and, like, it took forever for there to be any merch of, like, Huskus or or Rabble and Rabbit or whatever, Uh, so I'm not surprised that it's taking this long. I just feel as though this could have been something they could have started whacking out almost immediately, right? Well, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Vince has had this plan in the works for like a year now because it's all part of a long thought out thing, you know, definitely not hot shotted. Yeah. Um, So we also have Bianca defending the belt against Bailey. Yep. And Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Yep, look at that. Five matches, five title matches. Yeah. So again, I I I was I was almost gonna do like some sort of like multi-person uh one for the raw women's title. Mm-hmm. Because like Asuka's involved in the angle and Nikki Cross is involved in the angle. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get Cesaro versus Seth, maybe. Yeah. We'll you probably know. get Cesaro versus Seth. We'll probably get something with the tag titles on Raw. And I'm sure we'll get uh, Jackson Riker versus Elias on the pay-per-view. So, uh, yet yet again, another two-match show. Uh, Roman and Rey Mysterio and Bianca and Bailey. Because I... So this is purely speculation. A lot of people are feeling as though this is leading to a hair versus hair match at uh, SummerSlam. Oh, really? Yes. Thinking Bailey wants to shave her head? No, I don't think Bailey wants to shave her head, but there's so much around the storyline with uh, Bianca using her hair uh-huh. and Bailey making a big deal about how she's always shaving shit into her hair <laughs> um, okay. that it's going to be a deal where, like, I think it's going to happen for SummerSlam. Yeah. Hey, work for Molly Holly. Yeah, exactly. So predictions, since they're all title matches, I usually ask you for your predictions of title matches. So I uh, no change. No changes of anything. Uh Roman ain't losing the belt. Nope. Uh Bianca ain't losing the belt. And uh Rhea Ripley ain't losing the belt. Um what about and Bobby? Bobby Lashley? Lashley ain't losing the belt. Okay. I mean, honestly, like, I agree with you 100%. Roman ain't losing to anybody until it's, like, The Rock or something like that, you know? And uh, Bianca still needs to run with this belt. But I just, you know how much they just love Charlotte Flair. And they love, you know, cutting the legs out from underneath Rhea Ripley. I would not be surprised if they do something there. And, I mean, honestly, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre are interchangeable at this point on a three-hour show that I don't watch. So I can see that going either way. I feel as though they got something but like we talked about last time where i don't know who 
the next challenger for Bobby Lashley is after this. If like no matter who wins, whether it be Bobby or Drew, I have no idea who the next challenger is because I don't. I think there's a big gap between the top of the card and like the next guys underneath. Like Kofi's close, mm-hmm. and I think there's more money to be had with doing a Kofi Bobby Lashley match on pay per view, maybe at SummerSlam, than there is doing Drew against anyone. Yeah, but then where do you move Drew to? Yeah, because I'm struggling to think, like you were just saying, like, who are the top even baby faces or heels that aren't in that program? Well, like, oh, AJ Styles, but he's the tag champion. Right. You know, like, SmackDown is so much more better of a show as far as just the talent that's on it, you know? And, and like, Raw's trying, but the stuff just doesn't click, man. Like, I can't remember. Like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't watch Raw live. I pick it up in the YouTube clips, and if there's anything interesting, I'll go back and I'll watch the full segment or something. Yeah. But it's just like nothing is sticking, man. Like I don't know who the women's tag team champions are right now. Uh it's Naomi. Or not Naomi, I'm sorry, Natalia and Natalia's partner. Oh, Tamina Snuka. Yeah, that's who it is. Oh boy. <laughs> you said you said Natalia, and that kind of like sparked it up, but like if you didn't give me Natalia, I wasn't giving you the other one, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just remember a backstage segment that I was fast-forwarding through. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. Uh, we have the, uh, I guess, mid-season finale of Dark Shot of the Ring to, to discuss about the Dynamite Kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I know we talked, I gave you the primer beforehand where I'm like, hey, do you know this? Do you know this? And you didn't know any of that stuff going into it. And yeah. I'm like, all right, let's see how this goes. And uh, I guess, what's your uh, opinion of the Dynamite Kid these days? <laughs> well, I'll just say not my opinion of Dynamite Kid, but my opinion of the episode is I really like the episode. Um, I knew who the Dynamite Kid was. I knew that he was a guy who was, you know, his innovation in Japan with like Tiger Mask was like what made you know, modern wrestling. So I knew that that was a thing, but I, I don't, th- I've never seen the footage before. You know, I'm not a tape trader. I didn't go back and look at it. Uh, so it was interesting to see like his pre British Bulldogs run, you know, presented. Cause that's all new information to me. Uh, the stuff when he was in WWE, I kind of seen that all or knew about it. And I knew he had a thing with Jacques Rougeau, which I will get into in a second, but obviously never heard it detailed that way. Uh, and then obviously as it goes on, uh, he's a piece of shit, you know, and, uh, but well, <laughs> I really like the episode, but I'll give you a chance to jump in there from wherever you want. So the dynamite kid has done a lot of horrible things in his life. Yeah. And they only like touched on like a few of them. Okay. Now the Rougeau situation, of course, the timeline is real screwy because they tell the story and I 100% expect to be corrected on this. Okay. Yeah. Because the timeline puts uh, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, in the locker room when this happens, okay? Um, and Henning wasn't in WWF until mid-88, and this allegedly happened mid-87. All right. So it's weird that they tell the story that Perfect was there, because I don't think he was was there but it's like we got to tell this narrative to do you know whatever I, whatever it is right yeah um so 
The Bulldogs were horrible. You know, everyone, like, has these great stories of, like, oh, Owen and Davey with their fun ribs. Like, they put a bunch of pigs in Vince's office. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Well, Davey and Dynamite would do as they tell those stories of, like, oh, yeah, they'd break into the guy's room. They'd shit in his bag. They'd shave his head. They'd cut up all of his clothes. They'd hogtie the guy and throw him out in the cold because those were the fun ribs, right? Yeah, they'd give him sleeping pills and, like, roofie him. Yeah. Well, see, this is the other thing that they neglected to mention. So uh, Dynamite and Davey would give their respective wives roofies and sleeping pills so they could allegedly take advantage of them while they were passed out. When Davey decided to start getting into steroids as a fun rib, and this is all stuff that's in Dynamite Kid's book, right? Uh As a fun rib, Dynamite gave Davey Boy a syringe full of milk and told him that was steroids and had him inject himself with that. You know, for fun. Um, on Mo- And there's the there's the big story. And I got off the subject of the Rougeau's thing, and we'll come back to that. Yeah. But they, there's the big story where there's the big blow up with the family where uh, Dynamite has the shotgun and points it at the, the wife's face, right? Uh-huh. With the kids there and everything else like that. In Dynamite Kid's book, he tells stories that he used to wake his wife up multiple times by pointing an unloaded gun at her head and pulling the trigger and the clicks would wake her up. And when she would wake up and see the gun, he would tell her next time it'll be loaded. So this, and the, so the Rougeau's thing, the timeline, whatever. And Jock says that he went and got a roll of quarters. He's lying. He, he had brass knuckles. Okay. Yeah. And, he had both Raymond and Pat Patterson watching out to make sure that no one else was around and that no one can help Dynamite when Jacques did this to Dynamite. Now, what Jacques did to Dynamite was retaliation for tons and tons of bad shit that Dynamite was doing to him, but they're leaving out key parts of the story, right? Okay. That, like, someone in management was helping keep watch to make sure that this went down uninterrupted. Um, on the Dark Side of the Ring podcast that they do, um, again, stuff gets cut out because they only have 45 minutes for the show, you know, with after commercials and stuff. They mention about the Pat Patterson thing, and a lot of the heat was there because when Pat was booking the show, Pat's from Montreal, putting the house shows and stuff together, Pat would book the shows and the Rougeaus would always go on like house shows first or second so they could get on a plane and get home at the end of like a 20 to 30 day tour. And the Bulldogs were always either second to last or last, which would give them less time. Uh And that's why the Bulldogs had heat with Pat. Pat had heat with the Bulldogs. Pat allegedly was one of the guys there standing watch to make sure that no one else was there to help Dynamite. Hmm. And I think a lot of the stuff, and this is where the uh, the Vice ones, the Dark Side of the Ring ones, kind of dip their toe a little bit into the A&E ones, that Dynamite has living children. We gotta tell these stories, but we can't tell them how bad they actually were. And we can't tell all of the stories. And they kind of painted things of saying that, Dynamite became this erratic bad person because of the injuries, because of CTE, because of this, because of that, where Dynamite was always a bad person before any of this. 
And they kind of attempted to give themselves an out to say that Dynamite's behavior changed. And I, I'm not doubting it, but I never heard that story where Jacques fed the fake information about the mafia hit to Dino Bravo to make Dynamite and his family like move and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting there. I was going to ask about that. Never, never heard about that before, but I'm not doubting it. Dark Side of the Ring, I know they have good researchers on that show. So that's not uh-huh. bullshit, but it's just something I've never heard before. Um, yeah. And I just think as though this was as close to a whitewashed job as you could do with legitimately a horrible person because he has living children. But did that take you out of, like, enjoying this episode, though? No. No, yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's that's one of those things that always, with the Dark Side of the Rings, especially with one, like, there's a book that details all of this shit. And you could only pick and choose so much stuff, but it's like the one or two things that they chose, they kind of cleaned it up a little bit to make the guy who's a 10 on the asshole meter seem like an eight and a half. And I'm like, it's dark side of the ring, man. Tell the whole fucking story, you know? Yeah. uh, I, I don't know how much of that was for time constraints, maybe on the longer episodes you know, you'll get some more of that. Like, I didn't come out of this feeling like he was at all a decent dude. Like, I get that they tried to, you know, soften it by saying CTE and, like, the crippling agony of his back injury and all that. But I at no point had sympathy for him. Even when they were trying to say, like, his oldest daughter went over to England to to visit him, you know, and they're like, he said he's sorry for the first time. Like, I didn't feel like, oh, okay, he's redeeming himself, you know. So I didn't come out of it feeling like he was... Uh, you know, given a fresh coat of paint at all, but I can get where you're saying like there's, if there's more famous anecdotes of things that he did, yeah, it would have been cool to have more in it, but they're trying to tell a story, I guess, you know, and you got to have the ups and downs. So I can understand why not everything's in there, but I definitely didn't have the feeling that it was like the ultimate warrior A and E one where, you know, Oh, he just kind of fell into a bad crowd for a bit, you know? He just, he listened to the radio one day and decided I'm going to be Rush Limbaugh instead of a horrible racist homophobe. Yeah. I think if Dynamite Kid had just had, you know, if Vince McMahon had just accepted Dynamite Kid as his son, you know, this would have all been avoided. You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> and there's other, there's other cool stories that I think that they could have told. Um, you know, just how big of a deal it was. And I know you talked about, like, the Dynamite Kid Tiger Mask match. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of stuff you know, with that of how game-changing that was. And they mentioned it in the show, but not, I think they could have gotten into a little bit more of how much of an inspiration Dynamite Kid was to Mick Foley to become a wrestler. You know, you hear the stories of, like, the Terry Funk and wanting to see the Jimmy Snuka thing off the cage and, like, all those other things that kind of inspired him. Mick tells the story about getting a chance to wrestle Dynamite Kid and we see the footage of it and all that other stuff. But, like, in his books, if you remember, like, Mick cites the Dynamite Kid as, like, that reckless style, that, like, something different that no one has ever seen that kind of inspired him to be something like that with his ring style. And obviously he couldn't do the high-flying whatever, whatever it was. Um, And they don't get into it, you know, and obviously they don't want to get into it in the show, but the Bulldogs and everyone else on the road, and, like, I don't want to just say Davey and I don't want to say just Dynamite, but everyone around that time used to abuse the shit out of Matilda. Oh, really? Yeah, because, like, they they had an animal wrangler that would get you to and from the shows, 
But like once you're at the show, like your bird or your snake or your, you know, crocodile or whatever the hell it is, <laughs> that's your responsibility. And they like people would like feed the dog stuff that would make it shit all over the place. And it's like, oh, you guys got to clean that up, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but they just used to abuse that dog and like the bulldogs hated it and they talk about all that sort of stuff. And when um Vince signed the Bulldogs uh in like whatever it was, like late 84, early 85, it was like a bidding war for them with Bill Watts's Mid-South and NWA. They were like a hot property at that time. And Vince kind of treated get signing them as almost as much as a big deal as signing like a Hogan or a Piper or a JYD because he saw them as like international stars that they can like kind of branch out into the UK with them as like the face of the tag team division, even though Vince has never been a tag team guy. But the fact that it was such a big deal that he, he got them and the other people who wanted them more didn't get them. Yeah. And I think that would have been like an interesting thing to throw in there as well. But it's just that if you get a chance, it's out there. Uh, the book's called Pure Dynamite. If you've never read it, Adam, or you listening to the show, absolutely listen or read that book. It's fantastic. Now, is that an autobiography or a biography? It's a biography. Okay. Okay. But as I said, just to recap, I like the episode. I get that they had to leave a lot of stuff out of there. Uh, he's a piece of shit. I did like seeing at the end his pathetic attempt at a comeback in Michinoku Pro. You know, where he's, like, shrunk down 10 sizes. Uh, good to see him trotting out there for the payday. But... Yeah, and, and that's, you know, and that's another, you know, really sad thing. Because that Michinoku Pro show was a very heavily traded, a very heavily, you know, whatever tape. Like, that's the tape that got the Michinoku Pro guys, you know, uh, on the ECW pay-per-view in 1997. And, like, everyone watches this. And they see all those high-flying guys, and it's like, oh, here's the shell of himself that Dynamite Kid is. Yeah. Oh, well. No more Dark Side of the Ring for a while now, right? Yep, September is uh, when the next ones are coming out. Ah, you gotta have... gotta. I'm sure we have an inside. Have them, like, send you some raw footage. Listen, they, they send the raw footage to The Rock. I think we're a little bit lower on the food <laughs> chain of the, than The Rock is, right? But just a notch or two lower, right? Right. We're going to have to call the, the Rock's good length uh, Lehigh Valley friend Dan Champion to see if he can pull <laughs> some strings and get, like, the third generation dubs <laughs> off the Rock from Dan Champion. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, obviously, there's a pay-per-view this weekend, so no homework assignments. Uh, looks like we got, like, at least a month before another pay-per-view after this one, so woohoo. Yeah, yeah. And it's my... Uh, it's my turn next time when it is time to assign. Yep. Not to say that there's not a ton of stuff to watch. Uh, obviously, you can head over to Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. independentwrestling.tv, where this weekend there are no less than six live shows streaming. I don't know how the hell they do that, especially since four of them are on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday, Freelance Underground. Sunday, Beyond is doing the WWR Plus event. But if you're going to watch anything on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium this weekend, the code at odds don't get you no free days as a new subscriber, but it does tell Jerry that you signed up um, if you're not, uh, you know, other than me sending Jerry a text to tell him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this Friday is AIW major announcement, which Adam will be at, uh, hailing from the Odeon. 
in uh, beautiful downtown Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we have Trey Lamar taking on Marino Teneglia. Eric Taylor of the Bitcoin Boys taking on Dom Guarini. Mikey Montgomery, uh, who is going through some changes. Uh, mm-hmm. He looks more like a serial killer these days, but good for him. Uh, he's taking on Philly Collins. Uh, then there's a, I would say, like a student showcase match. Uh, Sydney Von England, TKD, Casey Carrington, and Riley Rose in a multi-person match. Um, I saw that Derek Dillinger and Ziggy Hamer are announced to be there. Uh, Nine to five are announced to be there, so I'm sure there'll be more matches announced later. Uh, but I would say the two big matches are Ethan Wright, who was kind of one of the uh, new stars introduced in the Go For Broke series, taking on one of the hottest talents in all of independent wrestling in Lee Moriarty. And then, of course, the main event, uh, the major bros, the core four, the figure four, call them what you will, uh, Brian Myers, Broski, Smart Mark Sterling, who's very surprised that he's allowed to keep his name, and <laughs> uh, Mr. Six WrestleManias, Mr. Chocolate Doodoo Fingers himself, the star of Muppets Most Wanted and the star of... Uh, <laughs> Leprechaun Origins, Dylan Hornswoggle Postal. And, are, yeah. What? I was going to say, you said six WrestleManias? I, I start with six WrestleManias. Oh, my bad. I always the feel like I'm... The top, oh. <laughs> uh, are taking on Team AIW, uh, the, uh, the Rip City Shooters of Wes Barkley and uh, the Absolute and Intense Champions, Josh Bishop, and To Infinity and Beyond, Cheech and Colin Delaney. Now, everyone's pointing out that there's two ECW superstars represented in this match. Mostly <laughs> will have you know that while uh, Colin wrestled for the only ECW that made money, being that Broski beat and retired Tommy Dreamer, Broski is now the heart and soul of ECW. <laughs> uh, and if you believe that, you'll also believe that he's winning the GC t- GCW title next month. Oh, um, lot, uh, then I believe, I believe, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I understand that the, uh, rip city to infinity team will all be coming out of their matching FUBU jerseys. Um, and that's where my money is, uh, unless they can somehow make some sort of last minute negotiation to get Brian on their team and make it five on three. Uh, I just hope that Josh Bishop goes easy on Brian. Cause he's a nice boy. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you're going to see live on independentwrestling.tv. If you're going to be at the show live, and I know there's people listening to the show and are part of the show, they're going to be there live. Uh, The after party is at the Grayton Road Tavern. Uh, I don't know how close that is to the venue, but uh, as John Thorne, the promoter, booker, etc. of AIW will tell you, uh, three-star events, five-star after parties. So do with that information (laughs) what you will. (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm looking forward to the after party as much as I'm looking forward to the wrestling. Just don't get too rip shit at the uh, after party. <laughs> you got way higher the next day. I know, I know. Oh, we'll see. But uh, hey, Joe. Speaking of uh, friends of the show, there's other podcasts you should listen to. There are. I hope not. I listen to enough goddamn podcasts the way it is. I mean, what other podcasts <laughs> are there? Well, I mean, you listen to all these, at least you pretend to, uh, and those oh, are... <laughs> come on now. Final Wrestling Place, Longbox Heroes, We Need Wrestling, 
Porch Talk and premiering soon on the Porch Talk Patreon feed, Guy Conics, the Iconics recap show with myself and Marcus. Uh, so that's exclusively on the Porch Talk Patreon feed. Uh, wrestling that where, that where Marcus and Todd's helmet talk is going to be as well? That'll be on the $10 tier. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, The House Show Podcast, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam. And Joe, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this, but uh, Logan Easton LaRoe was on Pod Van Dam this week, right? It was. And uh, I was listening to... Uh, the show, and I, I think we all know I'm not the smartest person in the room. You know, I'm an okay guy. You know, I, I, I've got a good head on my shoulders, but I'm not quick on the uptake. Right. And uh, Jonah was uh, kind of introducing Logan and saying all the other people that he may or may not be. Uh, I didn't know that, Joe. Oh, I you did didn't? I, I didn't know that. So uh, go and listen to Pod Van Dam. I'm not shoot trash, so I'm not going to say it, but uh, that was news to me. I well, always thought it was just two different people. <laughs> before Jonas started recording, he met he mentions on the show, he met he, he he messages me. He goes, Hey, am I okay saying like all of Logan's gimmicks? I go, Yes. I go, because at least three <laughs> of them are unmasked gimmicks. And one of them, like, he lost a mask, a match where he had to wear the blank mask. So ah. it's not like this doesn't exist. Like these things happened in like part of a wrestling storyline you know yeah yeah but it was news to me so go check that out and and the, uh, and the fact that he was barf in the masks uh, the masked wrestler remember that i i didn't i remember him being barf but i didn't watch the episode right yeah. and i know you didn't mention it only because of the sporadic nature of the show but the latest uh episode of super fantastic podcast uh uh just came out as we're recording this Oh. And myself and my friend Kyle, not Guile, were on the show to talk about the Clerks animated series. Yeah, you know what? The You mentioned the sporadic nature. This is the third episode of the Kevin Smith saga, so to speak, right? Yes. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed these these podcasts so far, so I'm looking forward. I, you know what? I'm going to listen to that on my way to Toy Hile this weekend. Yeah, Mole Rats was back in February. Uh, they ran into some, uh, Stacy ran into some scheduling issues with getting, uh, which in the timeline should have been chasing Amy, but yeah. chasing Amy is coming. Um, trust me, those are all going to be great. Um, yeah. And again, I love all the Kevin Smith stuff. And the only thing that I enjoyed more than doing the podcast about the Clerks animated series was re-watching the Clerks animated series before I got to do the podcast on it. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that that is like the best ten dollar DVD you can buy on Amazon, period. You know, that that's entire season. Good stuff. Oh, but, and hey, speaking of Amazon, yeah. uh don't forget to make any and all of your purchases through the Amazon click through link that's in the show description of every one of the at odds with wrestling uh episodes that go up. Um, again, I'm not going to give you the whole spiel if it keeps the lights on or it pays for bandwidth or whatever it is. Uh, they call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but Joe, I wasn't done running down podcasts, though. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I It was just a natural segue to, to mention the one that just came out. You said Amazon. I got to mention the Amazon link. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I, I just want to say there's two other ones, not another sports podcast, and the A Show, which is about to kick off its new season with uh, our very own Marcus uh, on the first episode. Yes. So uh, a little peek behind the curtain, of course, they record, I think, today, maybe, or they recorded yesterday as we're doing this. They're doing WCW 1994, and beforehand, Marcus may have asked me for some advice oh. and I said I cannot help you because it will ruin the integrity of the show because I want to be surprised at what your picks are yeah I go all I could say is just make sure that you pick Terry Funk yeah well you know what if anybody is going to be able to give good advice on how to do well on that show and I guess if I'm not available at the time I guess you would be a good <laughs> choice Especially considering you are the season one champion of champions. Congratulations. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I was surprised because after we did at odds last week, I think two more votes came in for me. And, you know, a lot of George's vote counts finished very, very high, maybe about 30 more votes uh, higher than what our vote count ended up being. So, like the whole weekend, I'm like, oh shit, those votes are going to come in. I'm going to get fleeced. I'm going to get fleeced. I know it. I'm going to get just squashed out at the last second. And then Monday was super busy at work and I didn't have a chance to like keep on it and send out like reminders or shit like that. And uh, and then all of a sudden I get tagged in the notification that I wanted. I'm like, holy shit, I won. Yeah. Uh, but I won the first ever inaugural uh, tournament of champions uh, for the draft, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I retire. And I'm not defending my crown ever again. No? Nah. Like, I, like if they come back and they say the season two winner against the season one winner, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, you know, my drafting for competition days are over. My drafting <laughs> for fun days are still around. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Right. I'll, so I'll only do exhibitions. Yes, that's what I was going to say. It has to be a, a gentlemanly game. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm looking forward to somewhere in season four when myself, Brett, and Tim can finally get together to do WCW 2000. <laughs> I've already got my wild card picked out. It's been picked out for a month now, so <laughs> it's on ice right now. Not Long Island ice? No, <laughs> like like ice train ice. Oh, okay. But uh, I guess that's it for the main show. Yeah, so thanks again listening episode 143 of uh, At Odds with Wrestling, and then we're going to talk about uh, weekly purchases. Yeah, Joe, I, I know that I'm going to Toy Ohio this week and that it is the year of fiscal responsibility, so I really shouldn't buy anything like here when I'm supposed to be saving it for a, a big road trip. So I only bought three things this week. <laughs> well, I would have bought one, but it would have been another big boy purchase if we weren't recording early. Uh, wow. So go ahead with at least two of yours. All right, I saw in the wild, I knew that these things were coming out, but I had no idea that they had already come out. And that is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the the NECA Ultimate figures. You know, like there's the Ultimate Back to the Future and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, they came out with, they are, I found out they are Walmart exclusive for the first 30 days. And then they hit other stores, but it is the toys of Homelander and Starlight from the boys. Oh, okay, sure. 
and they have uh, they both have interchangeable heads with like glowy eyes. And uh, unfortunately, it is the Starlight like the early costume, not the Vought created costume. But hopefully, that's in a subsequent issue uh, of the figure. But uh, really pumped. I love NECA Ultimate figures. I love uh, the boys and. Uh, out of all the characters from that show, I would think Homelander, Starlight, and maybe Butcher would be the ones that I would want. So I'm glad that two of them are out already. Is there a variant head for uh, Homelander that has like a milk mustache? Oh, I wish. I wish there was. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Or just like a gallon of milk or a carton of milk just thrown in there as an accessory. Right. But uh, maybe that's for another series. Because NECA does this. They did this with Back to the Future. Like, they keep on uh, coming out with different, like, versions, obviously, like any figure. But the the accessories are what make the NECA figures. So hopefully the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other one of the other things I'll get, and then I'll send it over to you, is since I recently joined the Major Pod Patreon, uh, I now am on their Facebook. So I feel like I have a little bit of a leg up on uh, purchases that I didn't have before. And I managed to snag one of the live eight major pod floral hats. Oh, okay. Uh, I bought it like, um, I think I saw the post go up like a minute after it went up and I went on and I bought one and like 30 seconds later they were sold out and I immediately regretted not buying like two of them because I kind of want to wear the hat because I love my, my major pod hat. I wear it all the time. But I call it kind of also don't want to like ruin like a valuable and rare hat. So I wish I had bought two. But mm-hmm. as of right now, I'm on the fence as to whether or not it's just going to sit on a shelf or if I'm going to wear it or if I'm going to flip it. I'm probably just going to wear it, to be honest with you. But yeah. I'm glad I got it. It's pretty cool. So my m- tentative major purchase this week uh, is a new lawnmower. Uh, the lawnmower that I have uh, is at least. 15 years old, maybe creeping up on 16 years old. Uh, it had the blade replaced. Yeah. Uh, maybe about six years ago. It had the engine, the motor on it rebuilt maybe about three years ago. And as I was mowing the lawn on Saturday, it just started leaking oil and smoking. And I'm like, okay, I got to finish the lawn as quick as I can too late. And I had to finish like a four by five patch in my backyard with the goddamn weed whacker. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the plan was like Sunday, um, we were just beat. We didn't get a chance to go out. We were looking at some online, uh, Monday rain. So I didn't want to go out and like be dicking around like at some sort of outdoor place and carrying like a big giant, like lawnmower home. So I'm off on Friday from work or maybe Thursday I'm going to go and we've been shopping stuff around. I've been getting suggestions to finally go to an electric mower. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe getting one of those ones that are like partially propelled a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's going to it's going to be at least a three hundred, four hundred dollar purchase. Yeah. When I first bought my house, I considered like I didn't have a lawnmower. I'd never had a yard that I had to take care of until. Yeah, obviously. So I looked into the electric ones and a lot of them will come with two batteries. So you could have one in use while the other one's charging just in case you run out of juice before you're finished. Yeah, I think that's cool. And a lot of them are uh, they're super lightweight usually and they do have like self propelled. So uh, I think I saw a lot of the ones in that price range. Uh, I don't think you'd do wrong. I've seen your yard. You don't need like a, you know, giant, like 20 gallon gas guzzler, you know? 
No, no. So a lot of them, uh, like most of them are like an 18 inch, like mo like surface or whatever. Yeah. The one that I had was 21 inches and I don't think they do the 21 anymore. And the gas one is heavy and big, you know? Yeah. Um, and if we go to the electric one, we're kind of leaning to do the same company that we have. Cause we have a, I was trying to remember what it was when we were recording after dark the other day. But we have the Weed Whacker, we have the and a Leaf Blower that both Cobalt brand, which is, I think, like, Lowe's in-house brand or whatever. Like, they have Craftsman, which is what the gas, or the, the gas lawnmower is, and then Cobalt is what the electric uh, Leaf Blower and Weed Whacker are. And if they have a decent price on a Cobalt brand mower electric, since we already have, like, the battery for it. Yeah. We could just kind of like have that one battery that interchanges with everything else as we need it. Yeah, and also just uh, I did listen to uh, After Dark, you know, early because I'm a Patreon member and it's the correct listening order. Correct. I I actually have one of those manual spinny lawnmowers, you know, mm-hmm. the old school like barrel ones. Yeah. Uh, it it actually came with the house. So uh, I, I'll send that your way next time you uh, one of your lawnmowers breaks down, you need to do a patch, you know? Well, we and again, we had one that came with the house as well, but it also came with a lot of rust. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not saying mine doesn't have rust either. So you have lots of rust. <laughs> OK, good. All right. The only other thing I got this week, uh, last night, actually, um, I was just, you know, bored, and I was like, you know what? I haven't gone to Walmart this week. I'm just going to go and take a look, see if there's anything of note. Uh, surprise, surprise, still no AEW figures. But what was there, and this is the first time I ever saw them in person, so I had to get them, uh, the WWE Masters of the Universe figures. Oh, hell, no uh, way. That I've seen on the pegs a million times just the Becky Lynch or just the Stephanie McMahon. But I think they must have just put a case out because there was uh, a Becky Lynch, a Stephanie, a Ricky Steamboat, and then the two I bought, which I'm sending you a picture just to refresh your memory, uh, the NWO Macho Man and the Roddy Piper ones. Those are good ones. Yeah, because I when I've seen these figures like online, I've never owned any. I always wanted the Manny Faces uh, New Day. Which yep. might be something that if I see at Toy High, I'll grab. And then I wanted these two. Uh, I know there's another Macho Man, but it's like the classic like pre-Hulkamania Macho Man. Yeah. Uh, I prefer the NWO one in this scenario. Uh, but I, like these are awesome. Like I, I like He-Man. I don't have a lot of like He-Man stuff anymore, but I think these are just the best ones to have, you know? I've never seen them, but I remember when they first came out, uh, my local Walmart was lousy with the Castle Grayskull ring. Oh, there's still Castle Grayskulls at, like, every Walmart I go to. Yeah. And that and, like, AEW World Titles. <laughs> you know, you're guaranteed to see those at any store you go to. Right. But uh, I was pumped. There are things that, like, I, I don't know if I wanted them enough to pay, like, reseller, like, to buy them on eBay. But, like, to get them at retail, I was, like, all day. You know, I jumped on them. Yeah. I was hoping my plan was today, um, you know, because Wednesday is the day that I leave my house to go get my comics. And if my kid's not with me, sometimes I'll go and I'll stop at some places to look around for stuff. But I've had my kid with me the last couple times. 
because, you know, obviously we can't leave him home alone like the little boy in the movie. <laughs> and there are times where I'll go and drop him off at my wife's work because he doesn't want to come. He wants to just stay home and play his video games. But my wife gave me the Iggy that, one, she was going to be like an hour late from work and she was going to the grocery store, which my kid hates going to the grocery store. So I haven't gotten a chance to do any real sort of fig hunt since I got my second shot for the vaccine, okay. which I think was like well over like six weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, I still do like a couple fig hunts a week. I still wear my mask. I'm like the only people in these stores wearing it. But, you know. It depends on it depends on the store. Um you go to Garrity's around me and uh and everyone's still wearing masks. You go to Wegmans, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely and it could change from one town to the other. Like, you know, my I'm in the Mid Valley area. It's it's very mask heavy at grocery stores, but if you go to Scranton, oh it's the Wild West. <laughs> but that that's neither here nor there. That's yeah. all I got though. Yeah, I think that's it for this week. Uh, you know, hey, this is a treat for you getting the show uh, a day early. And I would be remiss. Um, and again, my initial intent was going to be to open the show with it. Um, but obviously, I, I want to mention it. Um, today, um, many of us uh, found out that longtime referee for Chikara, John Barber, passed away. Um, we just found out about it today. I guess he had passed away a day or two ago as of the listening of this. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people sharing their memories and he was very young. I didn't realize he was only 34 years old. Um, I, I could have swore he was closer to my age. Um, just cause he's been around the internet wrestling community and then the wrestling community for so long. Uh, he was a big frontline person for piracy for independent wrestling specifically uh he worked very closely with a lot of promotions to prevent their stuff in full from getting out on youtube and other things like that uh you know and again i don't condone piracy but you know obviously if you're gonna not pay for a world wrestling entertainment pay-per-view when they happen weekly i'm not going to thumb my nose at you but if you're gonna steal you know, a small independent wrestling promotions only pay-per-view that they're doing ever. You know, maybe I might think of you a little bit differently, but I'm not going to hate on you. But John was a big proponent of that. Um, and I'll say this about John in, in a business that attracts weird people. John was a weird person in a world of weird people. And I'm not saying that in a negative way, but if you met John and you knew him personally or, you know, privately or had any sort of conversations with them you remembered it everyone had these crazy stories that were sh that they were sharing where one time on a ride home from a trip um john just said i'll get out here got out of the car on the highway and just walked off into the woods <laughs> um there was another time we were driving out to a show from milwaukee and as everyone was kind of doing a head count of where everyone was how everyone got there, someone realized that, like, John wasn't accounted for. And when they got to the venue in Milwaukee, John somehow had gotten there not only before everyone else, but was eating an entire half gallon of ice cream with a fork by himself at the venue. <laughs> John was not a large man. John was a very slight, tall, lanky man. But he would down ice cream, milkshakes, 
Um, you know, uh, what, what were the, the munch munchos were like those weird, like onion shaped, like snack things or whatever it was. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, but there was one time on a road trip where I forget where the shows were, but my house ended up being a converging point for like five different cars so that we can converge and leave into two different cars to go to the venues. Right. Yeah. Um, and this is a story that I've told before on the show. So everyone comes, they're going to park in their cars, and they're like, hey, before we get on the road, can we use the bathroom? Everyone's coming to use the bathroom. Um, Asa had just been born maybe like a month or two prior, and everyone's coming to the house. Oh, how's the baby? How's the baby? How's the baby? Uh, Kingston comes in and goes, what's up, baby? And the baby <laughs> starts crying, uh, which is a great, a fun story. But with the way that the ride situation ended up working – is so as they everyone converged back to my house there was a car that was going to go east to like the philly jersey area there was a car that was going to go south to the north carolina area and then there was a car that was going to go north to the new england area well that car was the car that john was going to be in because he lived in connecticut and john was in my car coming back so John and I had to sit here and wait for an hour and a half for the other car to show up so they could take him to Connecticut because they were coming back to, col- you know, to collect everyone else or whatever it was. So, like, I got a chance to sit and talk with John for like an hour and a half. You know, um, I-, I was surprised that we had very similar super secret science jobs. And again, John was a very passionate, a very knowledgeable man when it came to professional wrestling. Um, you know, his favorite promotion of all time was XPW. Um, which was a blind spot for me. I was an ECW guy in the whole thing, but like that was John's passion was just knowledge about professional wrestling, um, technology and that sort of thing. Uh, but like I said, he was a weird guy. He was a quirky guy, but if you're involved in wrestling, you're probably a weird or a quirky person to begin with. But like I said, if you had any interactions with John, you're never going to forget him. And again, it's just a sad thing that he passed. Um, you know, I hope, his family are well. Um, and again, I hope, you know, in his last hours, you know, um, he had peace with whatever was going on in his life. Um, and he's going to be very missed and he's going to be very remembered by a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, so again, I, I, am glad that I ended the show with this as opposed to starting the show with this. Um, but at that, with that, I will say thank you very much for hanging in there with us. Thank you very much for listening to episode 143 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying, enjoy some wrestling, be safe, and, uh, you know, enjoy some toys this weekend as well. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.